Padanza with Aidan McCaffrey. Such a fine line between stupid and, and clever. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Movie News Padanza, a movie news podcast and one of the great works of our time in any medium. Scenes cut from the final edit of this movie podcast include a passage where I make someone an offer they can't refuse and then give up after I set off the intruder alarm in the local stables. A scene where I hear that third base feels like a warm cheese and onion bake and I get arrested in Greg's. And a scene where I drink Daniel Day-Lewis's milkshake, but the joke's on me because I am lactose intolerant. Welcome to the Movie News Bedanza. Before I get onto the film news, a COVID update. England has finally come out of lockdown, except it hasn't, has it? If you are not in the UK and you're listening to this, we have this tier system where different parts of the country are in different tiers. And tier three is the worst, it means you can't really do anything except you're shopping and get a takeaway. And annoyingly, London's just come out and I think they're in tier two because I'm looking at all my London friends on Facebook and Instagram, having the time of their lives doing comedy gigs, going to comedy gigs, living their life like normal but wearing masks. Whereas I'm still just stuck in... stuck in my provincial market town in the north of England. Just looking forward to the next time I need to get some milk from Morrison's because that's my day out. Going to Morrison's. I feel like the kid at the beginning of Big now. Just watching with jealousy as all the cool kids get to go on the ride because they're big enough. But I'm too shit and northern and likely to get COVID to do anything fun. Next time I see this Ultra machine, I'm going to say, I wish I was tier two. Wonder Woman 1984, a film which will be coming out in the UK on December the 16th and which I think will hit American cinemas and HBO Max on Christmas Day. The advance of word is it's good. There's some reviews, and they're good. This is going to sound like I'm being cynical about Wonder Woman 1984. It's not. Just a broad point. I noticed there's, like, stages of review release. There's, like, advance word, which is what this is. Then there's actual reviews. Then there's public reaction. And the advance word is always better than the actual result. I'm not saying that Wonder Woman 1984 will not be as good as this says. Maybe it will. But I think the people that see it first at, like advanced screenings tend to they must be very excited to seeing a film or they must be the biggest fans of that franchise in the world because these odd films like i remember when the advanced reviews for terminator dark fate came out last year and people were like whoa they finally made a good terminator film that's not called terminator one or terminator two and then the reviews came out and they're like oh yeah it's, it's not amazing but it's quite good and the people saw it and were like oh yeah this isn't this is not amazing <laughs> this is, is far from great so take that with a uh, take that with one salt grain. What I want to know with Wonder Woman 1984 is, like, when is the 80s nostalgia wave going to stop? Historically, we've always been quite nostalgic for the period two decades prior. So in the 1970s, there was a lot of stuff like Happy Days and American Graffiti and uh, Glam Rock, all of which was sort of nostalgic for sort of simpler simpler times of uh, 1950s rock and roll. 
And then in the 80s, lots of 80s films have a sequence where they'll dance to some 60s or, or 1950s sort of rock and roll song. There was also a, a revival of psychedelic music in the mid 80s. And I think it's because you have a scene, a musical style, that gets done to death, like psychedelia or disco or rock and roll, whatever. And then there's a reaction to that, whether it's like prog rock or glam rock or whatever. Then that becomes tired. There's a reaction to that, like punk rock and, and post-punk and all that sort of stuff. And then once you've been through all that cycles, the old thing you were originally reacting against suddenly starts sounds fresh again because young people haven't heard the old thing. So actually that's when you have the sort of two, that it takes about two decades, then you have a revival. The 80s one didn't start to happen until first wave of it was The Wedding Singer in, in 1998. And then you had like a sort of wave in the noughties of bands that were influenced by uh, 80s post-punk like Franz Ferdinand, The Strokes, all that jazz. And synthesizers worked their way back into pop music with stuff like LaRue and The Killers. And you would have expected that cycle, which started in the early noughties, to be well over by now. But, but it really isn't. <laughs> you look at Stranger Things and Wonder Woman 1984, and we're, we're really stuck in this 80s nostalgia wave, and I don't know why we haven't moved on from it. It might be that the 90s was less garish and less fun, so we're less inclined to, to relive that. If Wonder Woman 1984 was called Wonder Woman 1994, you know, there wouldn't be much cultural artifice to trade on you know just be her wearing like scrunchies and stick on tattoos no one wants to watch a wonder woman film where she defeats the bad guy by playing pogs with them captain marvel that had that traded on a bit of 90s nostalgia but it was a little a little bit lame there was like a fun bit where she landed in a blockbuster video store which was a nice nod but then the song choices there's a bit where she danced to i'm just a girl by by no doubt but that felt a bit on the nose and there's another bit where they listen to nirvana come dine with me <laughs> come as you are nirvana come dine with me they should have done the theme tune to that show that would be quite good come dine with me give me nine out of ten for my pie yeah, there's a bit when they listen to Come Dine With Me by Nirvana, but it's really out of place in the scene, so the nostalgia in that felt really crowbarred in. Whereas it seems from the look of Wonder Woman 1984 and Stranger Things, it's more built into the overall aesthetic, as opposed to just being odd random references. Anyway, we're stuck in this 80s groove. It's not the worst groove to be stuck in, but hmm, when will it end? We have all these memes now, like... Oh, things only 80s kids will understand. Did they have that 100 years ago? Were kids in the 1910s and 20s reading articles in newspapers titled Things only 1880s kids will understand. Wide cravats. Gaslight. Shoving kids down chimneys. Or just uh, a newspaper page as a massive picture of a penny-farthing bicycle that says that awkward moment when you can't get on your bicycle because the front wheel is much larger than the back wheel. 19th century clickbait. You won't believe what Florence Nightingale looks like now. 
Howie Brownstein. This is a writer and actress who starred in the f comedy series Portlandia, is set to direct a biopic of the 70s and 80s rock band Heart for Amazon Studios. If you don't remember Heart, they started out as a rock band doing balls-to-the-wall rock songs, although they were female-fronted, so maybe less balls-to-the-wall and more labia-to-the-ceiling. And then they sort of became like a full hair metal band in the 80s. Big perms, lots of peroxide, big leather jackets on stage, guitar solos that would melt the face of a Nazi in Raiders of the Lost Ark without even opening the Lost Ark of the Covenant. When I was 18, I got hammered and played the song Alone by Heart at a teenage house party about 20 times. I just hijacked the CD player and just kept playing it for the lols, partly because I love that song. Alone is a proper big power ballad. I quite like power ballads because I sort of like how there's no subtlety to it. Everything's out there emotionally. And they usually pretend at the start like, oh, this is going to be like a nice subtle love song, like in Jennifer Rush in The Power of Love when she says, The whispers in the morning. Oh, this is going to be nice and subtle. No, by the course, it's just. Power ballads are the musical song equivalent of John Travolta injecting adrenaline into Uma Thurman's heart in Pulp Fiction. We're not hanging about, get it in you now. Whereas a more subtle love song, like say, Weird Fishes by Radiohead, that's the emotional musical equivalent of a COVID vaccination where you've got to have a bit of the vaccination on week one, then you've got to go back three weeks later for another injection, by which time it's sort of working. It's got under your skin. You're like, oh, I get it now. This is a love song. I get it. I just thought it was like a weird, sad song. No, this is romantic. You know, you've got to be patient. It takes a few weeks to get to it. Art alone? No. If you don't get what that song's about within three minutes and 30 seconds, why are you listening to Magic FM? What is your name? My name is Sir Lancelot of Camelot. What is your quest? To seek the Holy Grail. What is your favorite podcast? The, um, movie news. Audenza with McCaffrey. Right, off you go. Oscar Isaac is to play Solid Snake in Metal Gear Solid in the movie adaptation of the computer game Metal Gear Solid that is coming from Kong Skull Island director Jordan Voight Roberts. Um, I'm not a gamer from what it says on the internet. <laughs> that valuable source of information. The Metal Gear video game series was created by Hideo Kojima and released in 1987. The game blends military realism, alternative history, science fiction, and anime craziness. That makes it sound so shit. They might as well say, this game contains military realism and some wacky zany stuff. Uh, Snake, who sometimes sports an eye patch like Kurt Russell in Escape from New York, depending on the game, is a former Green Beret and highly skilled special operations soldier engaged in solo stealth and espionage missions, who is often tasked with destroying models of the bipedal nuclear weapons-armed mecha known as Metal Gear. And Slash Film adds, and honestly, that's just the tip of the iceberg. His backstory is weird. Now look, I wish all the best to Oscar Isaac. 
Floyd Roberts and co. But like, this does sound like it might be shit. <laughs> I'm an optimist. It does annoy me that I often find myself pre-shitting on stuff on this podcast, like I was doing earlier with Wonder Woman 1984. I'm open-minded to this, and if it's people say it's good, I will go and see it. The, I'm reminded a little bit of Cats with this one, because Cats was a long-running hit show, but, but a lot of people who'd seen the stage show did say, this is weird and shit and awful, <laughs> and it's an abomination. So to a certain extent, it's not a massive surprise that they tried to make a film about something with a story that a lot of people can't even describe, and it turned out to be a soft-focus, technicolor, mid-Atlantic trash pile. What I'm saying about Metal Gear Solid is, it sounds mental. <laughs> and I don't know, there's clearly a good film could be made. I think anything where it's a, a person who has to go on missions lends itself to story, because it lends itself to an unfolding narrative, and it lends itself to blockbuster action set pieces. So there's definitely, this could definitely be good. But you can also imagine a version of this where it leans so heavily into the weirdness of the game that general cinema-going audiences just go, what the hell is this? I hope I'm wrong. I'm an optimist. As they say on the Empire Magazine podcast, every day is Christmas Eve. But as I say, some days are New Year's Eve. <laughs> Hyped up and massively disappointing. Gal Gadot is the star in Heart of Stone, a spy thriller that is a female spin on 007. It will be directed by Tom Harper, who directed The Aeronauts, and written by Greg Rucker, who wrote the Netflix action from The Old Guard, and also uh, Alison Schroeder, the Oscar-nominated screenwriter behind Hidden Figures. Often you get talk of, oh, should there be a black James Bond? Should there be a female James Bond? Um, I don't care either way. Like, if they want to make Bond black, do it. Black the guy up. I mean, don't black him up. Don't send Daniel Craig into a makeup with some shoe polish. I mean, cast a black actor as Bond. I don't care. They've made 25 films. Yeah, try, try something different. Um, female Bond, the name's Bond Jane Bond. <laughs> it does sound cheesy if you put it like that. But the thing is, this is... This, Gal Gadot thing. This is what they should do. Just try and do is start a new franchise about a black spy or a female spy. And then hopefully that can run adjacent to, to the Bond stuff. I think the problem is, and I think the reason people get very animated about wanting a female Bond or a black Bond is that Bond has 50 to 60 years of cultural juggernaut behind it. So it would take a while for any of these other things, female spy franchise, black spy franchise, to build up the same commercial head of steam that you have in the Bond franchise. So the shortcut to that is, oh, well, you just cast a black guy as Bond, or you make a female Bond, or you spin off Moneypenny of the in-the-field years off the Bond franchise. So that can be the sister franchise, and the the black the black bond the the black spin-off can be the brother franchise. Oof! I do sometimes walk down rhetorical alleys that I I regret. Then of course James Bond is a is a fantasy male ideal that is so pervasive and cultural and so deep rooted that just maybe a female bond maybe a female spy thing would just never have that impact. Are there many women whose ultimate dream film escapism is? being a spy, sleeping with double agents, and garroting henchmen to death. Hopefully this Heart of Stone film with Gal Gadot is good. At the very least, you know, she can be a role model for young girls who can watch it and say, when I grow up, I want to assassinate rogue arm dealers just like Gal Gadot. 
Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to wait till Easter to be released. One of the biggest news stories to happen in the film industry ever happened this week. Warner Brothers have announced that every all of their films in 2021, all of them, including all the big dogs, not just the Chihuahuas, the big dogs, you know, the Rottweilers, the Golden Retrievers, including the Suicide Squad, Dune, The Matrix 4, Godzilla vs. Kong, it's all going to be released in cinemas and on HBO Max simultaneously. This is, they made a similar announcement about Wonder Woman a few, basically last week. Now they've gone, to hell with it, we're doing it all on the HBO Max. And uh, interesting development. It's worth pointing out that although a vaccine's just around the corner, things are very dire in America with COVID-19. The virus is showing no signs of stopping. It's all, it has almost hit 300,000 deaths. So basically, HBO Max hasn't been a massive hit. Uh, there's a telling stat which says there's 28 million existing HBO users who could get HBO Max for free but haven't bothered to activate their account. That's damning. <laughs> They're literally giving this stuff away free to some people and they still don't want it. So this is their way of saying, well, we're going to put on lots of premium content, all these big films you want to see, so maybe that'll get you signed up. I suspect as well that... There must have seen, been some stock market moves on the Wonder Woman HBO Max announcement that was encouraging enough that the studios decided to push ahead with this. And, uh, I don't like it. Maybe this is revealing my backwards old manness that I sort of do have a streaming bad cinema good thing. But it's not that I think that. I do like streaming, but I just like the cinema going experience and it'll be sad if that goes. And the Matrix 4 and all these films, they're the Scottish cop and the Wicker Man, and they're being burnt alive in a giant wicker effigy of the HBO Max logo. So the gods of streaming will grant a good harvest to Warner Brothers shareholders. There's an optimist inside me that the doctors cannot remove because it might kill me. And he, he hopes that if this year of co-streaming, co-cinema release, if that's enough to help Warner Brothers survive, maybe in a perverse way, it will actually ensure the future of the cinema-going experience, as opposed to if Warner Brothers just dies on its ass because no one's going to the cinema and they don't have the guts to just put it all on HBO Max. AMC cinemas, they're pushing back on this a bit. They've said, uh, we will do all in our power to ensure that Warner does not do uh, this streaming plan at our expense. We will aggressively pursue economic terms that preserve our, our business. So they are having an immediate and urgent dialogue with Warner leadership. And over in uh, the politics side of it, cinemas in America are about to get some financial help from the government because a bipartisan group of senators has a, a 908 billion plan to sort of help businesses. And uh, this would include 15 billion for live event venues and movie theaters. So. Uh, does just feel like you want them to hold on a little bit longer. How long can they wait? How long can the Helen Hunt of film distributors wait for the Tom Hanks of cinema-going audiences to come back from the desert island they're stuck on? We cinema fans are going to go back to Helen Hunt next summer and see that she's now sharing a bed with Tony Soprano, Carrie Bradshaw and Princess Diana of Themyscira. That's not a great analogy, but it does sound quite sexy. 
My name is HBO Max. Must Desmus Meridius. Father to a murdered film industry. And I will stream Wonder Woman in this life or the next. Aiden. Reeves. Uh, movie. Magazine. He made when he was nine. This is the section Aiden reads from a movie magazine he made when he was nine. And this is the last sub-episode of this series because I've reached the end. Issues 11 and 12. Movie Mania. Issue 11 is a Star Trek special because the film Star Trek Generations came out. Two captains, one destiny. And I've reviewed Star Trek Generations. My review goes thusly. This is very good. And it also leads to a Captain Kirk's death. That's what you want from reviews, people. Just a massive spoiler straight out the gate. Imagine reading a Citizen Kane review in 1940. This is very good, and it leads to a bit where you find out that Rosebud is his sled. Spock, Sulu, Uhura and McCoy are regulars who do not appear in Star Trek Generations. So they thought Star Trek VI and Star Trek V were their real final frontiers. Ho ho! Bit of pun work, I then put wrong. Very Trumpian approach to writing, just one word. They thought those were their final frontiers. Wrong! Anyway, I gave Star Trek Generations five stars, so I've seen since, and I can tell you it's very generous. <laughs> I've reviewed The Wizard of Oz in the TV film section, and it says, Saturday, 2.40pm, BBC Two. Continuing the BBC 100 season, total rubbish, liked by very few, starring Judy Garland. I mean, the only thing that's true about that is I don't think The Wizard of Oz did massively well commercially on initial release and it only became a classic years later but to say it's liked by very few that's not true young me it's liked by many people because i was a nine-year-old boy i think i was very i had an antipathy to anything i perceived as being girly not that i'm particularly macho but at that age i didn't sort of you know, there were things that are for boys and there were probably things that are for girls and i in my adolescent heteronormative state decided nope this is rubbish because it's got someone in a dress in it. Whereas I like cool things like Star Trek Generations, a five-star masterpiece. In fact, there's, an, there's another example this on the last page. There's an advert for the film Andre. Does anyone remember this? This was a film of, there's a poster and it's a girl with a otter wearing a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Sorry, it's not an otter, it's a seal. Who can tell? But even seal couldn't tell. That screams very 90s at me, like, Free Willy happened, so then they were like, guys, just name a marine animal. We'll put it in a wacky shirt. We've got a film. I put review quotes next to Andre. Absolute rubbish. Aidan McCaffrey, Movie Mania. Never seen it. And then I've put one out of one billion. Ross Palfreyman, WWAF. That was my friend Ross. He, he had a sister publication about planes. And I'm pretty sure that he had also never seen that film. Issue 12, the final, the final edition of Movie Mania. On the front cover is Black Beauty, from that horse. Oh, and you can predict what my review of this one's going to be. Black Beauty, a failure, rubbish. I would miss this unless you are five and a girl. Mind you, it's British. Wow. So not only was I had a weirdly misogynistic attitude to films in which I thought anything aimed at girls is rubbish, I was also weirdly more patriotic than I am now. I don't think that's me being like all uh, UKIP or anything. I think that even nine-year-old me knew that the British film industry was in dire straits back then. 
So I'm, I'm basically, basically saying there, guys, I know it's shite, but it's the UK cinema industry in the 90s. She's nil by mouth and life support. Send 10 quid and a card, please. If you know anyone who would like to listen to a film podcast which quotes mi misogynistic prepubescent children's reviews of films, then point them to the movie news bedanza. We're right here. We're available on Anchor. This podcast is released on Anchor. It is available everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You name a podcast app, we are available on it. If you are at The Hague, at the trial of a Serbian warlord from the 90s, discussing human rights atrocities, then that is the perfect time to spread the word about the Padanza. Just say, guys, I know human rights have been trampled on, but this guy does Star Wars mashups and the occasional dick joke. You'll love it. They will question the timing of your recommendation, but they will also thank you once they've listened. The credits for this week's episode are the aforementioned Anchor, the best place to release podcasts. Music was by Six Umbrellas, Mon Placer, TRG Banks, Philip Saro, ES Wicked, and you heard the voice of Scott Joseph. Which leaves me with one thing to say. With great power comes greatness! You will hear me next week. Come down with me, win a prize of 20 pound notes on a plate.